Hello everyone! Welcome to this episode of Grim Tales from the Garden State, the show where we follow the dark stories and twisted threads that have been woven in the great state of New Jersey. I am your host, Mrs. B, and today's story is about Philip Seidel, a Neptune Township cop, husband, and father to nine children. He was super involved with the community and his children's lives, but at home, he was a completely different person. When a custody battle and new partners make Philip feel threatened, he lets his aggression take over and drastically change the lives of his traumatized children. Police officers should be held to an extremely high standard, and when they're not, an innumerable amount of people can be seriously hurt. But as usual, before we get started today, let's hear our terrifying tidbit. According to the New York Times, gun-related domestic violence killings have been on the rise from 2010 to 2017, increasing 26%, and around 60% of those victims were women. 81% of people killed in domestic abuse situations in general were women. There has actually been a decline in domestic violence murders overall because people are getting married less and older, there's an easier path to divorce, and women have the ability to escape abusive relationships to shelters or other places of support. Our story today mainly takes place in Neptune Township, but the crime itself occurred in Asbury Park. Asbury is a beach town located in Monmouth County, known for its rock music scene and venues like the Stone Pony and landmarks like the Tilly Murals. With a population of 15,300, this seaside city is alive all year round. Philip Seidel was born in April 1964 in Philadelphia. His parents were never married and his father left the family early in Philip's life. He hadn't performed very well in high school and figured he couldn't handle the demanding workload of college. He knew he wanted to travel, so in 1982, at the age of 18, he joined the Navy. Philip met Tamara in October 1989 through a mutual friend. Tamara was born in Munich, West Germany, and lived there throughout her young childhood. When she was a little older, her family moved to Neptune Township, New Jersey, where she became a cheerleader and homecoming queen in 1982. She was a devout Catholic and even became the director of religious education for the Mother of Mercy Parish. When she and Philip first met, they would talk on the phone for hours and hours, and they officially started dating in February of 1990. Tamara got pregnant in April of 1990, and she and Philip married on August 25th, 1990 in Asbury Park when they were both 26. Four months later, their first child was born. Over the years, they would have eight more children together. In July of 1993, Philip was honorably discharged from the Navy, and then he joined the Neptune Township Police Department. The following year was when the cracks in the relationship started to show. Philip called the cops on Tamara because she allegedly threw a chair at him. Neither of them filed a criminal complaint, which would become a trend in the coming years. Later on, Philip acknowledged that their relationship wasn't healthy, but due to their upbringings and heavy involvement in the church, neither felt like they could divorce. Different people knew different versions of Philip. To the community, he was this great upstanding guy with a big happy family. Everyone around the Seidels admired Philip. His colleagues respected him, you know, he was a soccer coach, he taught at the church. But the other side of him was cold, sadistic, and selfish. I'm just going to preface this part of the story by saying that this is not an exhaustive explanation of all the drama that occurred between Philip and Tamara Seidel. I'm going to give a couple of examples of how twisted their relationship was, but I do not have the strength to list every single grievance they had against each other because there were a lot. But first, let's set the stage for how Philip's life was going in the year 2001. He was excelling in his career. He had become a sergeant and was earning $140,000 a year. The Seidels were living in a new construction 2,300 square foot home. 
People would write letters of support for him, which were basically notes commending him for being a good cop the locals whom he helped would write to his department. Philip was very hands-on with the children, like I said before. He attended the PTA meetings, all their religious events, class trips, everything. Even though we know Philip committed a heinous crime, he was generally regarded as a good cop and good father. But in 2001, there was a screaming match that resulted in Tamara pushing Philip and the police were called. Later, after giving birth to their sixth child, Tamara decided to be a stay-at-home mom with, you know, six young children. Unfortunately, she suffered a series of health issues, including getting her gallbladder removed in 2002 and almost dying during the birth of their seventh kid. Even though she had multiple traumatic health problems, dealing with what sounded like a hectic household and probably some sort of depression, Philip felt like she wasn't doing enough to hold up her side of the marriage. A couple months later in 2003, he became increasingly violent and hostile towards Tamara after she discovered that he was cheating on her shortly after she had her gallbladder removed and her mother had died and their child almost lost her life as an infant due to a medical condition. Philip got frustrated because he felt like she was abandoning the household and her wifely duties, which is like, what? Who is at the top of their game after going through all of that? He tried to justify himself by claiming that he thought she was also cheating. He never received any proof behind this assertion because when would she have found the time to cheat with seven children, healing from a surgery and mourning the death of her mother? Tamara was repeatedly reporting Philip's abuse to the police. He was known to be both physically and emotionally abusive. He pushed her into walls, gave her a black eye on her birthday when she complained about him racking up charges by buying porn on the TV, and he kicked her in the stomach and pulled a loaded gun on her while she was pregnant. So these kids that you just love so much, you would endanger their mother while she was pregnant with them. But even after all of this, they still wanted to try to make things work. So they started attending couples counseling. I think I can say with a high degree of certainty that counseling didn't do anything for these two. Philip said he wanted to separate in 2006, but Tamara wasn't having it. She still wanted to preserve whatever shredded pieces of a marriage they had left. That same year in March, police responded to a verbal dispute between them. A couple years later, when Tamara was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2010, she discovered that Philip was cheating on her again as she went through radiation, chemo, and a double mastectomy. According to bank statements, he was buying furniture for the other woman. He claimed to be nursing Tamara back to health and driving her to treatments, but she says he did the exact opposite. Philip met the other woman at church, and she really respected Philip's career and children. The affair partner attributed their good behavior to being raised well, which she attributed to Philip. She accused Tamara of slashing her tires in December of 2011, but when Tamara denied it, the affair partner admitted that she really didn't know who found her tires. And Philip went to live with the woman in early 2012. Everybody knew this abuse was happening. Neighbors, the Neptune Police Department, friends, family, all of Philip's colleagues, neighboring police departments, the Monmouth County Prosecutor's Office. Everyone knew. Over the course of his 22 years as a cop, he had 26 internal affairs reports done about him. Apparently, his secret internal affairs file exceeded 600 pages. According to Asbury Park Press, there were at least 30 calls to the police across multiple nearby departments from the Seidel residence. Police showed up to the home at least nine times for domestic abuse reports and 10 for custody disputes. As you can imagine, Philip's work performance was struggling. He was receiving lower evaluations from his superiors due to poor decision-making and lack of focus. They all knew that his home life was exceedingly chaotic and heavily contributing to his declining performance at his job. But after a while, it became too much to ignore. 
the Neptune Police Department did take some action against Seidel. He was suspended from the department due to the increasing number of domestic violence reports coming from his home. They also revoked his service weapon in 2012 and then again in 2014. Philip was sent for a psychological evaluation at least three times, and this was all too little too late, and I'll get more into detail about all these incidents later. They should have just fired him after like the 12th complaint lodged against him, but instead they brought him back onto the force and gave him his weapons back, including his 40 caliber Glock. Tamara claimed that Philip was not sufficiently supporting his kids, two-thirds of which were under 18 when she filed for divorce in June of 2013. He threatened to quit his six-figure job as a cop because he would be making less money and thus wouldn't be required to pay as much child support after the divorce. He gave back the badge and the gun, but for some reason his colleagues convinced him to come back onto the force again and he was given his gun back again. They kept putting him back on the force despite having suspended him and his voluntary retirement. Every dispute the couple had was looked at separately. The police department never pieced them together as a pattern of behavior between the two. This would prove to be a fatal error. Philip asserted that Tamara lied about every instance of abuse and just wanted revenge against him. There was another police visit to the house where Tamara accused him of abuse, but because the Neptune Police Department felt like he interfered with the police's response to the situation, Philip was temporarily suspended from the force for two days. He claimed that he was just trying to ensure that protocol was being followed, but instead he was sent to a psychologist again and was declared unfit for duty. Philip kept insisting that Tamara was lying and that he was glad to not be at work during a time when he struggled to focus on his duties. He also tried to say that he was found unfit for duty because he wanted to be, not because he had some sort of disorder or issue. But I don't know that you can override the opinion of a state psychologist. Either way, he did not come back to the force until May 2012. Tamara wanted sole custody of the children and this destroyed Philip. The child support payments would be enormous for six children under the age of 18. In October of 2013, Philip was ordered to pay Tamara $3,000 in alimony and $2,600 in child support a month. He wrote in his letter from jail, I couldn't cope. I couldn't sleep, I couldn't concentrate. I suffered from depression, anger, anxiety, and high blood pressure. I was a mess. My emotional well-being spiraled out of control. Philip and Tamara both had domestic abuse complaints against each other and both filed restraining orders. A police internal affairs expert said that the multitude of domestic violence calls from the Seidels should have provided very obvious warning signs of something being terribly wrong to his superiors. Finally, someone with some sense, Everyone, including Philip himself, is conveniently excluding these reports from their evaluation of the situation. Michael D'Angelo, a former police captain of the South Miami Police Department who's now a consultant for civil cases involving police officers, basically said that between the poor work performance, the attempted restraining orders, the police calls to his residence, someone needed to recognize a pattern here and they should have done something. Neptune police officers were escorts for two separate incidents at the Seidel home, and all this information was publicly available in legal filings where Philip, Tamara, and their children all said that the police acted as escorts, so they physically saw so many of these instances. I think they figured that if they went through the motions of what to do when a cop seems like he's on the decline, then nothing else needed to be done. I understand cops' actions are often not as thoroughly investigated as a regular person's because then their friends would be investigating them, and to put it bluntly, that's awkward. Philip's colleagues liked him as a person, and either the Neptune Police Department was so inept at their jobs that they couldn't recognize a clear pattern of behavior, 
or their relationship to him blinded any critical thought of how to handle him in his home life. For three straight years, they were reporting on each other and nothing was done. A couple months before the crime, Philip filed a criminal complaint stating that Tamara was interfering with his visits and calls to the kids. This complaint was tossed out of criminal court after it was deemed to be a civil matter. Philip was angry because Tamara was apparently throwing his stuff out, like his clothes, his papers from the Navy, and other important items. The punishments Philip was receiving at work made his stress even worse. Because he kept being suspended, his pay would be severely cut, inhibiting his ability to pay his bills, alimony, and child support. I don't know if he was still living with that woman from church or what at this point. He depended on his captain to help him pay his rent. Philip lamented about how the source of the problem wasn't addressed with the therapy. He didn't feel like it was worth it because he felt like every time he made progress with a therapist, his encounters with Tamara would undo it. She wouldn't tell him about the important events with his children, like his son's first communion, which made him more and more bitter over time. It stung hearing about his children's lives from other people. That was the crux of the problem, his ability to see his children. I just hope all of this helps you understand the chaotic relationship the Seidels had and what Philip's mindset was as we embark on the next part of our story. On June 16th, 2015, just 20 days after their divorce was finalized, Philip finds out that Tamara's boyfriend was hanging out with their children alone, which incensed him to a wild degree. Somehow he finds Tamara driving around Asbury Park and he runs her off the road. They were in front of a church, right near where they got married, and he was arguing with her and flailing a gun around. Philip then proceeded to shoot 12 shots at Tamara, killing her on that busy street with the 40 caliber Glock that he got back from the police department. A fact that makes this incident even more just terrible was that Philip was driving around erratically with their seven-year-old daughter in the car and she witnessed her father murder her mother in cold blood. Tamara Seidel was 51 years old when she died. Philip claims to have essentially blacked out during this ordeal. He was holding the gun to his head while standing off with the police for 45 minutes. Again, if this were many other types of people, they probably would have gunned him down right then. Philip blamed reaching his breaking point on Tamara's pushing for full custody. The day the murder happened, he was screaming about his kids while pointing a gun to his head. Something tells me that behavior like that was part of why she was pushing for custody so fervently. Philip was also jealous and angry that Tamara's new boyfriend was getting increasingly close with the kids while his relationship with them was strained. He felt slighted that he had been fighting for custody for them and they didn't even want to be bothered with him. He accused Tamara of turning his kids against him, but I can't help but believe he contributed to that decaying relationship himself. And basically, Philip felt like he was justified in the murder. He felt like his kids were being given away to another man and said something along the lines of, other people would have reacted the same way. He stated, tell me that isn't enough to bring someone to violence. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying nothing stirs violence like a child. That's all I'm saying. I want this narrative of me being inherently violent to stop, period. I want this idea that I was the one who needed to be stopped to cease. Tamara should have been stopped, period. All I wanted was to share my children's lives. If I had been allowed to, I'd have been fine. It was my right under every law on this earth and I shouldn't have had to wait until she felt like abiding by the law. What this means is, if I had just gotten what I wanted, then I wouldn't have had to kill, as if that was his only means of resolution. Also, he says that he blacked out and that he doesn't remember committing the crime, but he also has this full thought-out defense for what he did. Being a cop or just a person with a functional prefrontal cortex, he should know that you never get your kids by killing their other parent that will always leave the kids with one dead parent and one imprisoned parent. 
Whitfield denies ever being violent before, but there are documented reports of his continuous violence against his wife. That alone showed he had a history of it. His psychologist, Raymond Hanbury, stated, On June 16th, Phil shot his ex-wife, Fatal, and was arrested. There were no indications or signs of something like this to happen. He denied in sessions that he would do anything to jeopardize his being with the children, especially the younger ones. It's so upsetting why everyone was being so willfully ignorant in this case. I'm not saying Tamara was 100% in the right the entire relationship, but for Philip to act like he's not only blameless, but justified, is disgusting. Neither of their complaints were ever remembered or taken seriously. They might as well have just been screaming into the void with how inactive the Neptune Police Department was. Philip Seidel was charged with aggravated manslaughter, unlawful possession of a weapon, and endangerment of a child. When the trial began, Monmouth County Prosecutor Chris Gramaccioni reiterated that there was no way of knowing Philip was going to kill Tamara, blatantly ignoring the laundry list of domestic violence reports from his household, or divorce, or custody disputes, and Philip's frequent suspensions from his job. I'm so lost how the prosecutor was not trying to bring all of these incidents into evidence. Philip said that he should have been on medication to deal with the stress at home. He even acknowledged that the repeated report should have warranted further investigation, but he also maintains that his wife lied for every report. I thought that, you know, Philip made an interesting point when he said, If they say that when you find out someone's cheating on you, your husband or your wife is cheating on you, and you could be driven to violence, you can't be driven to violence when your children are taken away from you and kept away from you to the point where finally one day you just snap. Doesn't matter whether I was a cop or not, any man would have done the same thing, would have felt the same way. This makes me think of the passion provocation offense that I spoke about in the Clark Fredericks episode. If you haven't listened to the episode yet, please do. But the passion provocation defense is basically when your emotions are so raw and visceral that you just act out of pure unbridled rage, even if it's due to some sort of deep trauma. One could argue that this defense is relevant in the Seidel case. During the trial, Philip's boss mentioned three issues that he experienced at work. One time when he messed up the evidence for a case. Another time he misread the readings of a breathalyzer which resulted in the department dismissing a valid DWI case. And then the time I mentioned before where he interfered with police response to a custody dispute between him and Tamara. Each mistake cost Philip a 30-day suspension from work but it was scheduled as one week per month for six months, so he was barely even gone. The agreement was that Philip would continue seeing a psychologist and that the psychologist would report any findings back to the department. The court applied several aggravating factors to Seidel's crime. First, the fact that he chased Tamara through the streets of Asbury Park, driving recklessly with his daughter in the passenger seat of his vehicle. Anybody else could have gotten hurt during this, you know, chase. He also fired several volleys of shots towards Tamara after smashing his car into hers. One volley was into her side window, then another volley into the front of her vehicle. Next, the way he killed Tamara had to have been terrifying and painful. She was chased, cornered, defenseless, and then shot until she died. Also, their young daughter had to have been severely traumatized by witnessing such an event. Third. All of these actions displayed a propensity for committing serious acts of violence, but because he was considered a law-abiding citizen prior to the crime, that aggravating factor wasn't taken as seriously as this crime seemed out of the norm for him. Like I said before, Philip denies ever hurting Tamara and said that the only time she became a victim was when he killed her. Logically, it's actually more insane to suddenly murder your ex if you had never even hit them before, and they were just trying to move on with their life. 
But regardless of the complete omission of the piles and piles of internal affairs investigations and police reports made from the Seidel home, Philip was sentenced to 30 years in prison after pleading guilty to aggravated manslaughter. Their eldest daughter said that her mother was the soul and the light of the family. The slang sent shockwaves through the community. Even though Gramachoni doubled down on the fact that there was no way that this crime could have been prevented or anticipated, he did implement an early warning rule that would attempt to prevent situations like these from happening. He denied that the Neptune Police Department had any blame or responsibility in preventing Tamara Seidel's death. The Seidel children told the court that they do not accept their father's apology or his explanations, and there was also a suit filed that named Neptune Township Police Department as a defendant, so obviously there was there were thoughts that they had some culpability in Tamara Seidel's death. And, you know, the children were in the house all those years witnessing Philip's controlling and abusive behaviors towards their mother. Philip Seidel Jr. said, I cannot bear to see his image. I am embarrassed to share his name. Their daughter, Kirsten, asked the heartbreaking question, why our mom? She added, to this day, we don't understand why. How can a man, especially a man trained in law enforcement, lose his temper to the point of killing the mother of nine children? And that's the real question I think everyone is wondering. All the kids say that they never want to see their father again, and they hope he never gets out of prison. So I guess his plan just completely backfired. This story was aggravating on so many levels. The abusive relationship, the lack of response and investigative work by the local police departments, and the poor children who had to be caught in the middle of it all. Now nine children are without a mother because their father couldn't think of a better solution than murder. Also, this case was completely marred by incompetent police work. Everyone failed when dealing with all of the various incidents. If y'all are in relationships this hostile and tumultuous, just leave. I know it's so much easier said than done, especially when you have children, especially nine, but eventually you have to prioritize yourself and the well-being of your family over any kind of religious obligation or community reputation. Sometimes there's just nothing left to salvage. Forcing yourself to be with someone who doesn't want to see you win and you resent them back is never going to end well. Don't think you'll suddenly start getting along if you haven't for years. No amount of therapy can make two incompatible people work. Also, this is another episode where it's up to you who you think was telling the truth. You could be on the side of Tamara where she's just trying to escape an abuser and the local police department isn't doing enough to prevent the repeated abuse. Or you could see Philip's side where he was being tormented by a woman who kept lying about his abuse, intentionally messing with his employment and trying to prevent him from seeing his children so he just snapped. I tend to be on Tamara's side because, you know, she was the one who got murdered and all of their children agreed that Philip was largely the abuser in their relationship. Even though they did get divorced, it was after decades of calls to the police, cheating and utter chaos. And in cases like these, unfortunately, sometimes leaving isn't enough. But anyway, that is it for me today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to rate, follow, and share this podcast. And if you don't mind, go ahead and follow me on Instagram at GrimTalesGS. I will see you all next week. Goodbye.